At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella here, the world messenger, and I'm bringing you another epic guest today in conversation on Legacy Leader Show. Could you imagine to be in the room with someone who had been part of over 125 companies? In addition to that, exit with 85 extra successfully. Can't even juggle one. Could you imagine juggling 125 companies? We have to learn quickly here his secret sauce. And at the same time, impacting world on large global scale, someone who is not only investor, author, speaker, corporate leader, but also someone who is creating tremendous impact around the world with leaders that are masterminding, growing and learning together, and so much more. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Eddie Wilson. Eddie, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Glad to be on the show. It's absolute honor, and specifically, obviously, you have so much business acumen and, and tremendous accomplishments, which I cannot wait to depict and have an audience to learn from you. But do you mind, just because everybody, like, look at where you are today, and we will get to that amazing trajectory of continuous success and growth. But do you mind stepping back with us here and tell us where did you grow up? And how did you start getting into entrepreneurship and business? Sure. Yeah, I grew up in the state of Ohio and my father was an entrepreneur. Um, I grew up in an entrepreneur's home and really that was the start of my journey. I watched him, I watched his struggles and I decided that I really didn't want to go down his path. So I really started off in corporate America. So I graduated from Ohio State. Then I went to Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia and was uh, managing television and radio station properties. And when I began to build that, um, I found some success there and built a program that I was able to sell to another television network and found that I could actually create exponential value in my businesses and exit without um, having to do the work for many years to actually get the return. So a light bulb kind of turned on. And so um, I actually stepped out into entrepreneurship myself after being corporate for um, probably the first eight years of my uh, business life and followed the same path that my father followed. So my uh, grandfather, my father, myself, were all real estate investors. And so there's a lot of investing in my background uh, as well as entrepreneurship. And I really thought I was going to go a different path. I thought I would go into big corporate management, give big corporate leadership. And I did, but then I started finding success on my own and was really predisposed to building things, uh, acquiring things, growing things. And I liked having my own, the freedom to do it myself, as opposed to under a corporate structure. And so I began to grow that, uh, those, and then that's really what led to so many of the acquisitions and startups that I've had over the years. 
That is brilliant. Besides that you have a great radio voice. <laughs> and obviously that you grew up already in an investor family, obviously third generation real estate investor. Do you mind sharing like first investment you were on and how did you felt like watching or having your father or grandfather in the background? But how did you handle that? How was that breaking point knowing I know how to do this? Where did you get that confidence? Yeah, you know, investing was really the family business. And even though my uh, father went through very difficult times when I was younger, there were times where we had very little. Um, and my father struggled to provide because he was on his entrepreneurial journey. Um, I really watched and participated with him all along. He always allowed me to participate with him. So my first investment really was uh, on my own. It wasn't until I was about 22 years old. But I very much felt like I was a part of uh, his investments, even though I, my name wasn't necessarily on the deed or it wasn't on the investment or the company itself. I, I felt like I was a part of it. And so when I actually did it for the first time myself, I, I don't even think I realized that I was doing it by myself. I was just following a path uh, that I had seen my father invest in. And so um, the big leap for me was really leaving corporate and going into uh, personal ownership of, of companies. And that was a bigger step for me than buying a, a real estate investment because I felt like I had done that my whole life. It really wasn't a, a leap. It wasn't a, a, a big step. However, um, when I went from corporate America into starting my first company, which was an advertising agency, that was a huge leap because the faith of, you know, I can actually provide for myself and all of these people I'm employing versus I have this corporation that's providing for me and I'm just contributing to them uh, was a, a drastic shift in my life. However, I watched my father growing up and my father um, had the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. You know, he had companies that he was growing and they were providing sometimes and they weren't providing other times. And now he's very successful, but in, in the early days, he really struggled. And I watched my father and there were time periods where he struggled to provide. And I know that that hurt him deeply. I remember there were uh, a lot of time periods of stress and anxiety and frustration on his part because he couldn't provide like he wanted to. But he always he always supplemented that with time. And so he would always give me time if he couldn't give me things. Well, for me as a child, I, I loved the time that my father gave me. So it really removed a lot of the fear out of my life because the way I look at it, my dad is very risk adverse. He, he does not take risk even today because he doesn't want to go back to where he was. Um, I'm very risk tolerant because I look at it and I think, well, what's the worst that could happen? I go back, I spend more time with family. Uh, you know, I, I don't fear not having anything because the time period that we had very little were some of the best times of my life. My father fears going back to having very little because those were the worst times of his life. So my father's journey really allowed me to remove fear from the equation. So when I jumped into entrepreneurship and jumped into building my first company, it really was with this like heart and passion of, of pursuit versus this fear of loss. That was really removed from me. And that was a huge blessing for me. Wow, what amazing journey and specifically I love that you touch on the fear, obviously, because all of us at some point or throughout the life 
face into fears, but how we handle and deal with them determines level of success we achieve. And what we also believe, what is possible, right? And how do you like go through the journey from fear to greatness and become the best version of yourself, which you already did and consistently are proving over and over that you're capable of not only handling change in economy or, or, or global business or whatever it might be. I mean, just the fact that you've been involved with 125 companies or over 125 and exited over 85. I mean, how is that possible? And successfully exiting. So as a master uh, in that, do you mind sharing a little bit about First of all, how does really even look like? Obviously, you have to have a tremendous team behind it, but also you have to have a specific skill sets to really see that from um, great eye vision, right? If you don't mind, um, I want to hit on the fear thing one more, uh, just one more point Please. on fear, and I want to jump in because I think it's a foundational piece. Um, one thing that I teach my staff is I believe that we're all in this fear continuum. Yes. And I think there's four steps to success. Um, first of all, there's always pain uh, in success. There's always fear in success. There's always perseverance in success. And then ultimately there's success itself. There are two things I can control in that process. I can control how long I'll persevere and I can control my fear. I can't mm -hmm. control the pain and I can't control the success. So if you kind of like draw out this journey Pain is always there. And I really can't determine how much pain I'm going to go through, you know, like the starting of a business or the acquisition. I don't know how much emotional baggage a lot of the employees are going to come with if I acquire a company or uh, uh, disgruntled customers or whatever it is. I don't know what that pain is going to be. I can try to limit that pain, but the reality of it is the pain is going to be what the pain is going to be. Fear, I can control the way I control fear is through knowledge. If I have enough knowledge, then knowledge overcomes fear. If I have a knowledge uh, of the skill set or what it's going to take to find success, then I can overcome fear. And, you know, then I can overcome, I can decide how long I want to stay under the way, the perseverance. And then success will come. Success always comes as a time quotient. The thing is, is I have to stop worrying about the things that I can't control. I can't control the pain. I can't control the success. What I can control is fear. And I can control how long I'm willing to stay under the weight of the pressure to get to success. So I really focus on two things in that. And I teach my staff that a lot. So you ask, how, what does it look like to own 125 companies? Um, at one time, I owned 86 at a time, 86 companies. And these were legitimate companies, employees, buildings, you know, products, services. And uh, the largest of those was an insurance company that I had purchased uh, for a small amount, and then we grew it uh, exponentially. Um, but the, the real process to success there with being able to multiply yourself is having the right team and having the right processes. I built a company called the Empire Operating System. It's called Empire Operating System. That system I overlay on top of my businesses that create the same processes to make sure that every business is operating the exact same way. They have the same KPIs, the same language, the same goal setting process, the same measurement and government gov governance. And so this empire system I overlay on my businesses so that we operate every business the same exact way, whether it's an insurance company or it's an events company or a technology company, they all have this framework that they operate within. 
Um, that company has actually become very successful. Now there's a, about 2,000 companies in the United States that actually use Empire outside of my own companies because it's a, it's a great process that we built. But it really comes down to people and process. If I can hire the right people and they will follow the right process, I can replicate myself over and over again. Um, you ask another question in there, and that is, is what, what's the criteria or what is it that a person needs in order to find success at that level? Like, is there a, a requirement or is there a skilled learning or a subset of skilled learning? And I think that in order to multiply yourself, there's really two things that you need. Number one, you need to make, uh, you need to be okay with not making yourself the central figure. Um, if you want to grow one company really large, then you can be the central figure. You know, if you want to be Microsoft, you can be Bill Gates. If you want to be Apple, you can be Steve Jobs. If you want to do what I do, which is broaden your ability to scale and grow, you cannot be that central figure. You have to build other central figures. What I find is, is that I'm a good CEO, but what I'm even better at is building CEOs. Um, I have CEOs and leaders of every one of my companies. Uh, my business partner calls me the CEO whisperer. He says that I, I get out of them what they can't get out of themselves. And I feel like that's the skill set I have is that I don't have to be out front. I, my face doesn't have to be on every company. I don't have to be on every social media account of every company we own. Um, because if I did, I would just limit my potential for growth and scale. Um, my, my face and my name is on a few of them uh, because it makes sense for me to, for instance, we have a private equity firm called Collective Influence. That private equity firm that owns, uh, I think we're back up to 13 or 14 companies. Um, I am the primary figure of that company. However, underneath of it, we own lots of companies. We own companies like FitCon. We have uh, the world's largest fitness convention we own. Well, I'm not the central figure of fitness uh, of, of FitCon. It's a guy by the name of of Pete and Pete is the guy who's the central. So my job is to support Pete. Um, you just, you go down the line, everyone will have lots of people that manage assets for me, but the skill set is the, the ability to find greatness in them and coach them and get them to perform versus always putting the pressure on me to perform. That's a skill set that a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with. Mm. You are spot on. And I just love how you leverage understanding uh, of success criteria. And then also how you are found success criteria, not only within yourself, but in an enterprise and how you're able to replicate. Because from consulting world, from strategic advisory, I'm dealing with Fortune 500 to fast growing startups. And it's always that friction and 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 risk uh you know pulling the right lever or right trigger and it's really interesting to watch human nature and behavior and you're spot on um when without knowing or not providing right support uh, the growth that is expected just it becomes obsolete or artificial because it's not real it's not something that people feel that they can achieve if they don't have it in themselves and if they don't know how or they don't have consistency in producing something and it's kind of hit and miss um, because I feel like right now we're operating so much sadly in the fear factor and it's so interesting how fear and things we can and cannot control or don't know how are affecting decisions and choices every single day. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting as I watch my leaders, the leaders that work for me and run these companies. Um, the the greatest limiting factor that they have is fear in themselves. Um, yeah. and so what I if I if I'm to support and scale them, I can't exhibit fear because my fear multiplies their fear. I have yeah. to be the I have to have the ultimate level of confidence because my confidence and my knowledge will help them overcome their fear. If I walk in indecisive, if I walk in uh, with fear or anxiety, um, they will exhibit it and they'll multiply it because th they're they're feeding off of 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 who I am. And whether I am running my company and I've got multiple companies, or if I, you know, I've managed quite a few large Fortune 500 companies, and it's like at that level you have division leaders or department heads or vertical leaders, and yeah. if it, it's the exact same thing, if you can instill confidence in them, they're going to multiply the fear that you have, and so uh, that you're you're hitting on that that point about you know like fear is our greatest inhibitor. It is the greatest roadblock that we have to overcome. And I'm curious. Um, you did also something amazing. You're doing something amazing currently. You are actually helping out a lot of CEOs and through your mastermind groups and activities so that they can really see exactly what's possible, but then also be able to grow because which is really interesting. I love entrepreneurial spirit because you're constantly testing and you're putting yourself out there, right? Trial and error, building the muscles, those invisible muscles, but the most crucial one in decision-making. Um, and I feel like a lot of that um, also comes from this passion and desire. What drives you? I'm curious, wh why are you doing what are you doing every single day? It's, you know, it's like people get a flavor of success and show what's possible. Either they lose interest or try to experiment with the different things. And since like you consistently stay study and keep it, um, yes, diverse in industries, but showing over and over consistency, not only in results, but in your mindset, how you approach the business and life. I, I believe there are really five phases of life. I believe there are five phases of business. There are five phases of growth. Um, I teach this and we use this model a lot. There's five phases. We say that's, you know, that's in business, it's the startup phase. It's then you go into perseverance, which perseverance is kind of that pre-profit phase where you're in the grind. Then we move into viability. That's when we've stabilized. We have profit. We have a good service. We've got the right people on the right team. Then phase four would be like scale or expansion. And then last phase would be succession. Now that I've hit the ceiling, what do I do with it? Life is, is very much the same. When you get to a place where you're producing enough that you are satisfied, um, where you are um, okay, like you, you, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you're in this place of self-actualization. You, you get to a place where your career, your job, you have the house you want, you have the money you want. Um, most people get stuck at that plateau, right? Like most people are driving towards that. They're driving towards things. They're driving towards, I, I want to get this car. I want to get this house. I want to get this status. I want to get this freedom, whatever it is, they're driving towards that. And that's the motivator of 95% of the people that we see in the corporate world. They're trying to buy the next big thing. Um, there's a level past that. Once you hit every level of success that you set out to achieve, 
I found a period of, of my life where I had sold some companies and really had more money than I knew what to do with. I, I had built the companies I wanted to build. And I found a period of depression in my life because I wanted something more and I didn't know what else there was. If you want to truly scale and you want to make it sustainable, you have to tie it to purpose. If you if you leave it with with um, if you leave it with these like ancillary things, they always disappoint. You always climb the mountain, and you stand on top of that mountain, and you always realize, oh, there's a bigger mountain. And if you begin to kind of fall into that race, if you fall into that, you always find a lack of satisfa satisfaction and a lack of presence. So for me. What I had to learn was, is there, there had to be an ultimate place I was going and that place I actually needed to tap into every day. And that place is a place of purpose. That was a journey for me. That was a five or six year journey where I felt like I was on a mountaintop and then I was in the valley and then I was in the mountaintop and I was in the valley. And while I was having success, I had money, I had houses, I had cars, I had, you know, great family. I still was very, very depressed because I felt like there has to be something more to this life. Well, um, the purpose that we have attached ourselves uh, to is a, a, a foundation called Impact Others. We built a foundation about um, seven years ago. We primarily focus on four things. We focus on uh, orphanages and uh, feeding and clothing those that, that can't feed and clothe themselves. Um, second, we, we focus on uh, malnutri malnutrition and education. So we have feeding centers that are also education centers throughout the world. We have about 26 of them. Third, we focus on clean water. The more we got into dealing with third world countries and issues of malnourishment, we found that many of the sources and roots of that was a lack of clean water. So we, we do a lot of clean water projects. And then fourthly, we had to make the model sustainable. So we decided to build uh, sustainable businesses in third world countries to support all of those things. So in the last seven years, we've dug probably 60, 70 wells. We have uh, over uh, 26 feeding centers, uh, about a dozen orphanages. We feed about 4,000, feed and educate about 4,000 children a day. Um, we've built, uh, I think, 17 companies internationally that give, instead of on a microloan process where they give back to us, they actually give a portion of their proceeds to feeding the hungry, digging wells, you know, all of those sustainable processes. Now, instead of just pursuing the next company, the next acquisition, the next sale of a company, the next big real estate deal, I'm pursuing it because I have a greater purpose in mind. That greater purpose in mind is impact others. So now it really doesn't matter if I sell a company today or I buy a company today, it's not about that single transaction. It's not about going home and looking at my bank account. It's not about going to the dealership and looking for the next car. It's really about what impact on this world can I make because there is satisfaction there. Like there is purpose there. There is life there. Um, you know, I'll be in Honduras in two weeks and I'll get to go down and hang out with the kids and play soccer with them. And, you know, I'll take my middle son Titus with me. I'm taking uh, nine business people with me down there just to see it, to try to make impact on them. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about for that whole week is transcending that that rat race that we're all in which is just the next peak the next mountaintop the next opportunity and deciding we're going to live at some some at a different level and i think that less than five percent of the world lives there i think there's a very small percentage of people that have dedicated themselves to purpose 
versus just transactions. And to me, that's what keeps me going. That's what drives me. That's why I'm, I'll still acquire probably another 10 companies this year. I'll do a couple thousand real estate doors this year. I'll sell three or four companies this year. And it's not just because I want to achieve the next thing. It's because I know that all of those achievements ladder up to make impact in an in individual's life around the world. Wow. Uh, I, I'm just absolutely blown away uh, with the vision and driving force behind it and how intentional you are. First of all, I just want to kudos you, someone who spent so much philanthropically working with people from over 125 countries. Uh, it just warms my heart to see um, how you truly connect your purpose in such a beautiful way and which really carves and takes on legacy of completely another level and meaning of what leadership should be all about and what legacy should uh, be all about. Um, and knowing obviously world, it's the dire need and biggest need in the world right now for more education, for more opportunities or resources or opportunities to learn, right? And be able to be self-sustainable. And, and, and when you talk about third world countries, um, how much people are truly eager to get better because when they're in an environment, when somebody cares and wants to expand, not only the knowledge and opportunity to them makes tremendous difference because not only impacts that individual, but everybody around them, that whole village, the whole city, and ultimately whole country. And I just cannot say um, how grateful I am to hear on, um, on, on this trajectory, where, where you are headed and why you're doing what you're doing today. I just want to also highlight something. Obviously, you live your legacy. You lead with your legacy. And you already have so much to leave behind. But do you mind sharing how you look at and think about legacy and what is there in the bucket list? What is something you still did not do and deeply desire to accomplish? Sure. Legacy is an interesting concept because I think that as I've grown in my life, it's changed. In my 20s, legacy was tied to my name. It was, is it going to be in lights? Are people going to remember what I did? Then I got into my 30s and I had children. And, you know, legacy was more about what I was instilling in them. Like what my children, like did my children grow up and become um, you know, active contributing members of society that were kind and making a difference in the world. Um, I'm in my 40s now and legacy, it just continues to change. Legacy to me today um, is not about where my name will be written in the annals of history. Um, my children are doing fairly well, knock on wood, and I, I, I am hoping that they do everything and turn out the way that we want them uh, to. Um, legacy to me though, is about, um, is about streamlining the resources and stewardship of what I have to make the greatest impact today. In my forties, I think what I think about more than, than anything else is the stewardship of what I have. You know, I love cars. I love vacations. I love boats and yachts. I, I love, I love to live uh, and ex I love to live that extravagant life. I, I love to enjoy life. However, I find myself shedding more and more of that um, because I just want to streamline the in the everything that I have as a steward to make greater impact. Because I think that 
as I near the end of my life and, you know, hopefully not for another 30 or 40 years, but I, I hope that, um, that I've, I've used efficiently the resources that I've been given um, and I've stewarded them to a point of greatest impact. And, and I think that that's what we measure. You know, um, one thing that my family and I, we measure on a consistent basis is we call them dollars of impact. How, how many dollars are our, is our family on a consistent monthly, quarterly basis able to give to impact people around the world? Because I want my children to not equate a dollar with a car or a house. And yes, they because we've had success, they get to live a great life. They're very privileged. But I don't want them to equate the dollar to privilege. I want them to equate the dollar to responsibility. You know, that dollar comes with and I think that that's, that's, you know, where I'm at today. It's like, I want my children and grandchildren to not receive the money that I've worked for and passed down to them with even this sense of, of pride or this sense of, um, of, of, you know, my, my dad or my grandfather gave this to me, or this is what it means to be a Wilson or whatever it is. What I want them to realize is that there's a massive responsibility with this dollar that transfers. And the responsibility is not to take care of yourself. It's the responsibility to take care of others. And I think if I could do that over the next 30 to 40 years, I think that that's the legacy I want to leave. Um, I find myself even more trying to make that same impact on my employees. I, I want my employees, my the leaders of my company, I want them to take on the same persona. I want them to, and, and every company we have has some connection back to impact others and what we give. And, you know, obviously I take them, you know, to different countries to see what's going on. Um, but I want that in my employees as well. I don't want it just for my children. I don't want it for my grandchildren. I want it for every person that I come in contact with to make some impact, to help them understand that the resource they have is not a blessing. It's a responsibility. And that responsibility can be a blessing to others. As far as the bucket list item, I'll, I'll kind of jump into that. Um, there's a couple of business bucket list items that I really uh, want to accomplish. One is I've, I've never taken a company public. I've managed public companies and I've purchased public companies, but I've never taken one of my private companies and actually took it to a public offering and got to ring the bell on, on Wall Street. There's something in that that I desperately <laughs> wanted to do. And uh, I have about, I have three right now that are in the works that we're working towards a public offering. Uh, that's a, a very, very exciting thing for me. Something that I'm pursuing that's more of a bucket list item. Um, and then, you know, really lastly, um, I, I, have a, I have a desire to start. I, I've started over 100, 125 companies here in the United States. We've started 17 abroad. I want to match what I've started here in the United States abroad to make impact around the world. Business it can be a great thing. Business can be such a catalyst for growth and sustenance. And my goal in the next 30 to 40 years is to build equally as many companies overseas as I've built here, but in those third world countries to give them hope and opportunity and, and a pride in themselves and the ability to earn and, and the ability to change families and economies. That's those are the two bucket list items I still have. Wow, that that sounds amazing, and I can't even imagine uh, how those countries are going to be blessed with the opportunity to learn from one of the best 
not only entrepreneur himself, but also leader and CEO and someone who truly understands business inside out. With that in mind, I'm just curious, are you teaching these at principles, what it takes to be a phenomenal leader, what it takes to be great CEO, what it takes to be running a successful company. And if you do, where can people really uh, get a chance and opportunity to elevate their game and be able to replicate success with others? They, uh, first of all, I wrote a book last year uh, called the, the Principles of, uh, it's called the Titan Doctrine, it's Principles of Success. And if they go to Amazon or anywhere you can find books, you'll find the Titan Doctrine that I wrote. And I believe that the that's kind of my, uh, that's my thesis for leadership success. I've taken leadership history and broke down how I view them and how I use what they have taught in order to implement in my, in my businesses. But um, I do teach a lot. I have the privilege of standing on a lot of stages and teaching and educating um, these philosophies, these thoughts. And then we also have business masterminds. So I believe that most business leaders um, really only lack um, exposure and knowledge. And if they had exposure and knowledge, they naturally would just progress into the next level. Um, so we provide a lot of um, a lot of masterminds. We have a mastermind called the Power Room. We have a mastermind called the Money Is Mastermind. We have lots of masterminds they can get into. But what the, the vehicle that I teach all of these programs through is a, a vehicle called Empire. Uh, Empire is my operating system, but the, the operating system really has five pillars. It's leadership, operations, we group sales and marketing together, it's finance, and then lastly, it's personnel, how to manage your people. Um, and I teach on those five pillars consistently. We do a lot of workshops. Um, we do a lot of teaching. Uh, and pretty much if you get on the Empire operating system, social media pages, you'll see it everywhere. Or you, if you follow me on social, you'll see that that's primarily what I do. I'll be flying to Fort Lauderdale uh, tomorrow. I'll teach to a group of about 500 um, real estate entrepreneurs. Uh, next week, I'll be in Miami to teach uh, about 2,500 uh, fund managers in that space. Then I'll be in uh, Denver to speak to about uh, 2,000 entrepreneurs of the Aspire Tour. So I'm constantly just hitting the road and, and trying to teach this message and methodology uh, to try to help entrepreneurs grow. Um, I really don't do any consulting or anything like that. I leave that to the professionals um, like you. I, I pretty much, I just want to teach the philosophy of it. And I love using my own philosophies to build my businesses. That is fantastic. I love how you're using your voice and platform and opportunity to um, broaden up um, knowledge and also speed to success, right? Because right now we don't have as much time. We also have to really pivot, but also ex escalate um, how we're doing things because things are never so quickly changing as they're changing today. What would be some of your advice for uh, people that are trying to figure out where to go, how to navigate, and they're just simply feeling overwhelmed and unsure of themselves? Yeah, there's that old adage that you are the sum of the five people that you you know surround yourself with. And that is so, so true. Um, first of all, you have to put yourself into an audience or into connection with people who are doing what you want to do. Um, yeah. if, if you are constantly putting yourself, I, I find this message resonates a lot. We have a group called the power room. The power room is a mastermind for 
CEOs, they typically do 5 million top line or more to get into this group. But what I find is, is they're all high level um, CEOs, entrepreneurs, investors, and it's every gender, it's every race. And what I find is, is they have a common language and they constantly say things like this, you know, at home, when my wife throws the dinner party, there's really no one that I connect with. I go to church and I don't really know who to connect with at church. I go to social functions and this high performer that exists today in the business community is, is oftentimes the most alone. His yes. vision, her vision, her dreams, her goals, this high performer um, struggles to connect with others because they think differently. And, and there's a very small percentage of these people that think at this level. And so putting them together has been a mission of ours to just help them collaborate and find each other. Because I go to these meetings and I feel like there's 300 people that think the exact same way I do. We speak the same language. We can talk business and life from a different perspective. And that connectivity allows us to grow. It allows us to not feel alone and isolated and feel like, why is why does no one else think like I do? You know, I'll employ, you know, one time we employed over 6,000 people and probably less than 20 people were at the level that I was at that thought the way that I thought. And so I'm in, I'm immersed in this culture that I've built but most of those people are needing something from me. They're not contributing to me. There are very few people in my companies that contribute to me. And I walk in and, and the, you know, I have to come powered up because by the end of the day, it's been drained out of me because they need everything I have to offer. And it's so important for us to find our tribe, to find people who speak the same language, have the same desires, have the same passions. I find that if I can get into that room, at least, you know, we typically do ours quarterly, but if I can find, you know, a day, once a quarter to just be in that environment, it charges me at a level that allows me to stay charged the entire time period when everybody else needs something from me. And so that's my greatest piece of advice is find a tribe that contributes to you that doesn't just always take something from you. I tell business owners all the time, take inventory. I want you to take the people that are surrounding you, and I want you to put a checkbox or checkmark by their name if they contribute and give you energy. And most of them will go through that and they'll realize there isn't one person in my life that can that contributes to me or grants energy to me. Um, it's it's difficult at the top. It's difficult when you lead because everyone wants something from you. And so find your tribe, find a place where you can find someone to contribute to you, and it'll allow you to perform at the highest level and contribute to all those that need contribution. I love it. It's such a beautiful um, way to continue to grow, but also at the same time, as you said, rejuvenate and be surrounded by people that um, sparks ideas that are creative, that are going to push business forward, come with some of those great solutions as we really need more and more those thinking minds and also great executions uh, to make the world a better place and, and throughout everything we do. With that in mind, in closing, obviously, people can find you. Uh, I will share the links about your organization, about your charity if people want to donate, about your book on Amazon. But where would you like if somebody was, wants to connect? Where would be the best place uh, for them if they want to reach out and contribute something to you, not just ask something from you? 
That'd be great. Yeah, I I primarily stay in two social media platforms and I I am highly engaged on them. I stay very engaged in Instagram. If you just look at Eddie Wilson official, um, I communicate, I run my own Instagram page. I have a team of people that, you know, put my things up on there. But as far as the messaging, I stay engaged on that. And then LinkedIn, I, I spend a lot of time connecting with people on LinkedIn. So those are really the two platforms. I, I exist on all the other platforms, you know, TikTok and, you know, Twitter and all of those. But Instagram and LinkedIn, I, I find myself communicating the most through. So if they want to connect there, I'd love to. That is amazing. Again, Eddie, it just was absolute pleasure and honor to have you on a Legacy Leader Show and to share your tremendous perspective. And I know that audience will get so much out of this conversation. And I just want to say, I wish you a tremendous ongoing success. And I cannot wait to see what is coming next down the line and what are you going to be achieving um, in months and years to come. Thank you so much, Isabella. Have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.